0: Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International. I'm your host, Juro Sen. This is Ben Kimber. G'day, Ben. Juro, how are you, buddy? Very good. Let's get straight into it. Episode 220 is obviously after the All Blacks won the Rugby Championship. It only just begun a couple of weeks ago, um, but they've won it already. What is the big strike issue of the week? That's courtesy of our sponsor. Strike issue of the week, Ben Kimber. What is it to you?
1: I think there's, there's probably two things if I can. Can yeah. I go for two-strike yeah. issues? Two-strikes. Right. There, is there are two things out. that stand out for me looking at the weekend's uh, the weekends games in particular. The first is, um, you know, starting to be some conversation around uh, is this the most dominant All Blacks team of all time or is, is it shaping up to be? And I think there's a, there's a real That's valid conversation yep. to have around yep. that. And the second is when we talk about the Wallabies game, I am firmly of the view that they need to drop a couple of people. Um, if on the gonna, back of two wins on the back, Off the back of two wins If they're going to change it up I think they've got to find more And I think they've got to Change their lineup to do it
0: Alright Strike Big issues of the week Do you like that? We've already pumped our sponsors Strike Ten times in the beginning <laughs> Because we've changed our wide shot There's a reason for that But Yes So A um, couple of issues Coming out of the weekend And uh a lot of talk on uh, our YouTube channel in particular uh, and Ben, you've been going backwards and forwards and about the dominance of New Zealand rugby as a result of New Zealand beating South Africa and winding up in, winning the uh, rugby championship so soon. Questions have been asked even in New Zealand. Is, you know, is the rest of the world up to the standard to play the All Blacks and how good is this All Black team?
1: Yeah, and is it going to get boring? Uh, <laughs> Which yeah. is a real danger if they if the All Blacks keep this gap on the rest of the field,
0: and they won't get the credit for it. That's what the players will be thinking. You know, we're busting our butts. The All Blacks are busting their butts. They're not getting credit for it.
1: Yeah, and I think um, I, I think I saw one of the comments on our YouTube channel. Someone saying, just please enjoy it while you've got it. So when your team is dominant, <laughs> you got to make you know make hay while the sun shines. All right, 98, playing... 99,
0: 2000, 2001, <laughs> 2002. <laughs> I remember those years well. I was part of the Wallaby management team uh, for a few of those years, mate. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you really got to appreciate yeah. it what you can.
1: And and they play in great footy, and that's what it's all about. You want to see great footy on the park. Yeah. Uh, now the story I mentioned at the Strike issue of the week around are this uh, how how good this All Blacks team is. Yeah is I think there was, a, there was a carefully worded piece from Stuart Barnes over in the UK. Because what he said was, is this the most dominant all-black team of all time? Not the best, because I think you're going to open up a real can of worms around the best team. It's a fair statement. Even if this team goes on to finish off those 18, 19 games and grab the world record for most tests in a row, um, it's, it's going to be a fair conversation to say, are they the most dominant? But, you know, to be frank, what's letting them down is the quality of the opposition. We've got three teams there. Argentina in the rugby championship, Argentina... South Africa and Australia, and all three of them have issues. They aren't playing fantastic footy. They're playing patches of good footy, and a complete game from the All Blacks is knocking them around. But I don't think we're seeing what we might have seen out of some of those great teams in the past is when they take on someone, a really worthy opponent, and beat them. Um, They just feel like they have that gap, and it's a deserved dominance, um, and there's going to be a lot to talk about of that dominance, but it's not a conversation around, are they the best team of all time?
0: It's a tough question, and uh, you know, in the wake of losing McCaw and Dan Carter, uh, you think the All Blacks would fall away, but they've nicely kept the whole thing going through the Super Coach Steve Hansen. I think yes, there is an element that the other teams aren't as good as maybe past opposition, Ben, but I've still got to say New Zealand still have to make the play. They have to defend and tackle. They have to make the attack. So uh, it's hard to say yes. Talent wise, is this the best team? Although, you know, you look at some of the players like Coles, uh, Ben Smith at the back, and the names keep coming in and replacing them. Yeah. So uh, I know you had questions about midfield for New Zealand, but uh, if you look at what they're doing too at, uh, at fly half, the way they're able to regenerate there as well. I think New Zealand may, if they can do the extraordinary and keep winning well past that, you know, into the twenties, late 20s in a row, then I think this team unstoppable and and will go down as one of the crates
1: yeah and there's and there certainly are players in this team who are already going to be starting to make that name for themselves we've, you've lost the the macaws and the carters who yeah. were who were really the focus of a lot of the adulation around that all black team that won the uh, 2011 and the 2015 world cup but you've now got players who are who are making superb names for themselves in this period of play we've talked about dane coles plenty but his game last weekend exceptional yeah. like the, Amazing. The, the, through the last past three times and i think. Both Dane Coles and Aaron Smith um, responded after having not a great game the week before. They they both got hooked around that 50-minute mark and they were hooked to change up the tempo of the All Blacks game. There was no need for that this week against South Africa. They both had great games. So a couple of small errors from uh, from Smith. I think he threw uh, one poor pass and kicked out in the full once. But otherwise excellent service, excellent running game and really directed that team around the park. I think he
0: probably put that down to enthusiasm. He really wanted to impress uh, uh, at Scrum Half, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the other problem for the opposition is the South African team's still building. And I really think that the South African team, Ben, is the biggest threat to New Zealand. Now, New Zealand are their toughest taskmasters and because they, they actually want to perform every week because there's that battle just to stay in the team, like the fight to be in the New Zealand team is probably a couple of test matches in itself, isn't it? You know, just to get into that starting side, let alone even play off the bench. But I think South Africa showed to me, and I made the call last week, Ben, that, and I still stick by it, that I thought it's going to be closer than people think. And I actually reckon it was closer because at the 60-minute mark, I actually thought South Africa could do something. But what let them down was they lost their captain and they couldn't throw in the line out after that, whereas Coles was nailing every line out. I think had a perfect record of the night.
1: You did. Now I think you're clutching at straws here, mate. Come on, I think, mate. I think you tipped a couple of points in it and a big turn up from the box, and I tipped that get smacked. Well, so I'm going to call for you.
0: When 40... a <laughs> scored that try, I thought, "Hello, oh, here I go. I'm on, mm-hmm. on it." But that was a that was a good start too. It was. That Africa.
1: first 20 minutes that South Africa played well. And I think, but forty-one thirteen, and I, I think I read inside the. But you got to reports, say though
0: But unlike the other teams at the sixty-minute mark, that, that the, there was something South Africa weren't absolutely done. Only about asking. nine minutes in yeah, there, I think.
1: Yeah. Look, and I think um, uh, you know forty-one thirteen. It is their third biggest loss in the, in the last ninety-five years or something. So look, it is it is not a good game for South Africa to look back on. But you're right, and they are in that game up to the sixty-minute mark. And I think what we really saw is um, a team that. Lost a bit of leadership when Strauss went off, when he was injured and had to go. Oh, I think um, massively. Yeah, they lost a lot there. Yeah. And um, I read one of the reports that really pointed out how many debutants were on the park at the finish there. Um, and, and the difference between what I think we see between what the Wallabies put on the park against uh, the All Blacks mm. and then we talked about the fact that the Argies turned up for 60 minutes and took the game to them. Yep. In a way, Australia didn't. Australia looked like they were outclassed both times mm. they were on the park, just hanging on. Uh, I saw it from the box as well in that they were not totally outclassed, they actually took the game to them well and they got stuck in and I think you can see even though they've got those debutants on there, the difference that South African rugby has is they've got a better production line of those big strong forwards, yeah, yeah. they can bring more power play, more power players into the game to rebuild their forward packs and to rebuild their dominance. Like, you've got to like the look of Marks, their backup hooker. Yeah. But he came on in his, you know in his early in his career. He, he lost three lineouts in yeah. that last and 25 minutes. And they were minutes. critical,
0: absolutely yeah. critical when they pinged it down. I talked about it last week. You know, ping it down, 22 metres out, and you need to attack, and bang, the All Blacks get the ball, and they go and attack immediately. Um, they're unbelievable. Then you see Coles just nailing every line out. So the All Blacks were getting the bread and butter done right as well. They were getting the basics done right, and South Africa's basics at the key moments let them down, Like the restart after scoring. Habana scores the try, and they drop the pill the aunties, straight. Yeah. yeah, you know, and his game was a bit up and down as well. Yeah, he didn't Mostly have a good down.
1: game. <laughs> Are they halves, 9 yeah. and 10, Faf yeah. and Yanties. Uh, and the they they and didn't they, they, they have, have There's a lot of
0: traffic going their way too. Yeah, they yeah. really made it hard, the All Blacks. I did notice, though, at times, particularly I think around the second half, the turn of the second half, South Africa were trying to bend New Zealand left and right. And, and it's a bit of a... New Zealand did the same at... It, it, Parts of the game, but it is fascinating to watch. You know, you you go right, you go right, or you go right and left, and the right and left was happening quite regularly. But they couldn't um, beat New Zealand. In fact, there was a telling moment there if you go back and see the game, where South Africa went backwards, and not just by a couple of metres, by a long way. And all they were doing was recycling the ball. So New Zealand's defence is still the number one weapon. It is no, there is no doubt New Zealand's defence and this is a great idea, as I said before, about team harmony, team unity, even bringing in the extra players with injuries and whatever else, New Zealand can, uh, can still muscle up in defence and that's causing the opposition huge trouble in attack. Yeah. And, I, and I think South Africa really tried, the, the shifting the ball was good and they've got the big bodies to compete and skill but it's just not right, quite there. But I reckon, look out, South Africa's coming. Yeah. It might not be in a, be this year, but look out.
1: Yeah, as I said a minute ago, I think that the, the two things that were very clear in that game were South Africa have the big bodies. Yeah. They will be able to rebuild and bring that strength back into their game. And then once they've got that, they can start to rebuild a, a bit more around it. Um, but the, but the, the point of difference for New Zealand was really stark in this game was those skills in the forwards that we talk about. Yeah. Um, Jerome Kano's passing, Dane Cole's passing, Brody Ritalik had a hand in one of the tries flicking the ball on. Um, the skills and the involvement of the big men across the park just really showed up, I think, in that game.
0: Oh, I mean, look, Coles' passing uh, are phenomenal. Uh, Artie Sevilla, probably a little bit fortunate with his try, had a couple of looks at it, and uh, maybe in the lead-up, obstruction. But, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to... When, when, you, when you're on a roll, it's hard to uh, 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 go against him. I thought the re- Aussie referee did a pretty good job. Yeah, I
1: think he went all right. And I think um, Artie Sevilla, I think, had a really nice yeah. um, uh, game from a run on start. He had, a, he had a lot of involvement, good steal, uh, try. Um, try was a little bit iffy with that, um, with that obstruction, but, mm. um, but look, I thought he went really well.
0: What did you think of the... Let's go back to South Africa. What did you think of their first try?
1: Uh, mate, great. Mm. You know, like really built a nice platform, worked it backwards and forwards. And Brian Habani, you've got to love him, one of the legends Untouched. of the game. Absolutely, yeah. legend of the game. Uh, there is other, one other point I wanted to, wanted to make about yeah. uh, the yards they make. So South Africa followed the Argentinian model there, yeah. um, making the All Blacks work really hard around the fringes of the ruck, shifting the ball a bit and attacking that area. That's where they got their yards. Mm-hmm. Except if, you, if you've still got the game or you've got it on YouTube, go and have a look at the 35th minute and ask yourself what Crotty is doing. <laughs> Warren Whiteley ran through the biggest hole in an All Blacks defensive line I've ever seen in my life. And Crotty was talking to the invisible man. Like, the, 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 the defensive line spread out. Crotty looked to the gap and then shifted further so the gap was bigger. I couldn't work out what he was doing. I, whether there's a system stuck in his head where he knew the man he had to cover. But it was really strange. Yeah. This absolute gaping wound. <laughs> yeah. And Warren Whiteley just went bang straight out the middle. Yeah. Um, and what the All Blacks are doing is they're scrambling so well, yeah. you know. Uh, they, they're getting challenged around that area. And we've talked before about... So they're really, they are spreading out across the field, they're not committing as much to the breakdown, they're getting a, a more complete defensive mm-hmm. line But then it, once they're getting pinged around that, that ruck area, they're losing um, ground there, yeah. but they're scrambling and they're covering yeah. it well
0: And that's how Les Kiss used to coach uh, defence, uh, who was a, uh, an original here on this programme, if you're new the Rugger Matrix uh, Has great, uh, a former rugby league player, but became a really good uh, assistant coach in rugby and now uh, running the show up at Ulster now so Legend. big shout out to my man Les Kissy, Kissy out there, um, but the great thing about Kissy was that uh, he'd say you shouldn't uh, die from a bleed, bleeding a little cut and and that, that reference was if you, someone breaks your line, that and shouldn't be the end of it, because a lot of defensive systems used to be built, if you cracked that first line uh, you were, it was game over, but you put everything in that line of defence, there's an advantage of having that as well, but if you, um, if, you, if you let some yardage go in terms of letting them get some uh, ground uh, and are prepared to scramble, then you can also come up with the same impact. You are giving away some territory, but, gee, it's a lot better to know that if someone does break your line and there is a line break, you can, uh, you can recover from that. It. So it's a pretty good system to have, a lot of safety net. And uh, I think the All Blacks have sort of got all that covered. I mean, it's really good defence, actually, the All Blacks. Yeah.
1: And it is, we've talked before about it, it's the mental game too. Yeah. The belief in each other, the ability to get up off the ground and make sure you're back, you know, when you do get that cut that you are back there scrambling, covering it and everyone's putting in.
0: How do you reckon the video review went?
1: The video review after for, that, for the... Uh, after, all after, after Crotty. After Crotty, yeah, mate, I said it was very <laughs> strange. And we talked before, as I said, you know, if, if, if you're going to look for a weakness in this side, you've got to be testing out that combo in defence of, of Barrett and Smith and Crotty and Fekatoa. But no one's got the forward dominance to really have a crack at it except around those fringes They've been finding some space.
0: Yeah, so New Zealand wins the Rugby Championship and uh, There is just no stopping them Uh, as I said, I think South Africa could be a chance I don't know if they can do it in the return game, but I do believe that uh, they're on the way through Um, uh, When it comes to set-piece though, we've talked about it before that game, to me, to give South Africa any chance, was a clear example where if you don't get it right and all your squad players have to contribute, then there's just no chance. And you are no chance against New Zealand.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, will, they, will not be, they will not let up uh, New yeah. Zealand. And we saw um, you know, a lot of their, their forward momentum came off turnover ball. They love it yeah. because they've got that line intact, because they've got the forwards who can handle the ball. And spin it as quickly as anyone else, and then Dane Coles throws a ridiculous, you know, 25 metre uh, pass to uh, to Whitelock. um, They're going to hurt you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Anything else you want to cover on that game?
1: Oh, look, you know, it's uh, it's it's great for New Zealand. They've taken that trophy back off Australia, the Rugby Championship. (laughs) But uh, but you know, it is disappointing that that's already over. Yeah, oh, yeah, last year yeah, So uh, uh, it is disappointing that, that that's, um, that, that's uh, you know, we're heading to South Africa and and, uh, and London etc now And the games are just, uh, you know, jogging for position
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's the closure of it um, Let's go across to Perth, the game happening uh, a short time after And Australia winning that one, Ben And I think obviously that was the guy, the way the game should have gone how, they got out to, out of the blocks, didn't they? With uh, what three quick tries?
1: Yeah, they did. Will Genia absolutely fantastic had a great game. game. Had, yeah. a, had a
0: great game. Great to watch.
1: Um, and you know, I think I think he's been unfairly uh, pasted with a bit of this, you know, Dad's Army coming back from France stuff. He's still a young a young player. What is he?
0: Twenty eight, I think. Can I just jump in there? This whole thing about the foreign players, uh, I think Australia should keep that in the system but just as an emergency. Because if Will Guinea is the best scrum half, we can get him back from overseas. Let's play him. Yep. Let's, let's play him. But if you're a mediocre player who is also eligible, you don't have to bring them back. Who are we saying? Who's, who's, who's <laughs> I'm mediocre? just saying the selectors don't have to pick them even though they do fall into that category of being eligible. Yep. You've got to be good enough. Yep. Simple.
1: So I thought I thought but a
0: great great game. Kenya
1: right. had a great game. Um, again you know a win but a mixed bag of a win for Australia. Yeah. 71% possession I think uh, <laughs> Argentina enjoyed. I mean that's just outstanding uh, I like, uh, sorry that it's it's astonishing really that, no. that Australia had to How many times to have to I said storm. you
0: don't need the ball to dominate for great slabs. Yeah. yeah. You just have to have quality.
1: So it was 71% possession and I think the final uh, penalty count mm-hmm. was about 17-6. In so Argentina's all that favour. ball
0: and all those penalties, Argentina couldn't win.
1: Yeah, and so um, 17-6 in penalties, two yellow cards, 71% possession. You've got to feel a little bit lucky to get away with the game in some ways. <laughs> they did defend well, uh, and some of the tries they put on were nice. Um, uh, they kept their heads again. They, you know, Their set piece was pretty good. So again, you've got to give them a pass mark for yeah. the way they move forward. But I'm going to talk about um, uh, one of the, the the strike comment of the week, actually,
0: oh, what's on the YouTube. The strike, strike comment of the
1: week, comment of the week, uh, was what from one of our viewers, uh, Say uh, Auto, um, so uh, who reminded me uh, that, uh, that that, and I watched it again during this game of, of Foley uh, defending at the lineouts in the hooker position, right? So he's, he's standing there, and I said at the start of the show, I think what's becoming apparent to me is it's not just a mindset, right? We never never thought it was. But for the Wallabies to get back to be competitive with the All Blacks, they're going to have to change the cattle. You can't carry two guys when you're hiding both in defence. Yeah. Yeah. So New Zealand's game built on turnover ball, turnover ball comes and they're ready. They're ready to go. Yeah. We get the turnover ball. Bernard Foley's hanging over on the left-hand side in the hooker's position. Quade Cooper's out to the right in yeah. the wing position. We've got Reece Hodge who's come into the middle, who's actually at 12, so it's not a big issue. Yeah. But, but you've got Pocock and you've got Hooper, than in the back line. But it's the fact you're covering, covering for two pl-
0: two players. Exactly, yeah.
1: you're covering mm-hmm. for two players. And I actually was thinking that that might be another reason to, that they've persisted with the two sevens. Oh, okay. Because they've yeah. got to have those guys who can get around the park the and defend because yeah. you're covering for two yeah. guys who, who aren't doing their job. Yeah. So for mine, if Quade Cooper's going to be your 10, I think Bernard Foley's got to make way. Yeah.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I'm still a fan of Foley, and don't forget what he did for Australia at the World Cup. Pretty spe- some spe- special staff at the pointy end there, so he's got the ability. But but two of them, I agree, Ben. I think you're uh, you're on point there. And as the strike uh, comment of the week, it's knocked it out of the park. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and, and the, the follow up point to that for me is, um, and I think I saw Tim Horan say this on on the coverage, was this talk of Reese Hodge, right, yeah. saying that because he's a young guy, um, bring him in on the wing. LR Sterling Wartlock, who started his career on the wing and then moved into the centres. I mean, we don't see New Zealand super centres, super rugby centres being picked on the wing as an introduction to test rugby. This they is pick from wingers Tim Horan, on the wing.
0: One of the greatest yeah. centres of yeah. all time. Yeah. He and Jason Little yeah. playing at nineteen years of age.
1: But the, there was this general agreement that it was a good idea to bring these guys in. I'm like, no, if Reece Hodge is at twelve, he's already defending at twelve. Hmm. Play him at twelve.
0: If You're big enough. You're good enough. Yeah. You're old enough. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, if he's
1: good enough to be out there, yeah. and he had an exceptional defensive game. He's a good tackler. Yeah. Good positional player. Um, then you got to. I think you have got to make that commitment. And as I said, if you can't play, and it's, this isn't just to, to 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 get stuck in a foley. Yeah. This is just that your balance of your team and your structure of your team has got to be as good as it can. So if Hodge can play twelve and defend, play him.
0: What about one on the bench and one starting? Yeah, entirely possible. Entirely possible. As long as you're not. Fatiguing yourself into because def- it does add an extra complication to defence, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Where, where, rather than just going out there and doing the best you can, you got to go. Okay, we're going to cover for these guys. It's like having a couple of David Knoxes out there. <laughs> if you remember David Knox, one of the great attacking yeah, Mertens, yeah attacking players, yeah. but uh, just couldn't defend. Yeah. I mean Australia, the ultimate attacking and defending player was Stephen Larkham. Yeah. I still think he's our best ever. Best ever five eight,
1: yeah. or best ever player.
0: Best ever five eight, yeah. Five half, yeah. five yeah. half. Certainly first in first five, in, whatever in you my, want to certainly say.
1: Certainly in my era, yeah. from when I've watched rugby, I'd say yes. Yeah.
0: So, um, which is controversial because everyone else will say well, it's immediately Mark Ella, yeah. but Mark only played a handful of games. Stephen Larkin was brutalized out there, hit off the ball so many times, could pass, could kick. And could tackle. Yeah. I mean, there's not much else he. You no, know.
1: And the odd 45 minute drop goal in a World Cup.
0: But he's also a brilliant engineer of the game. So, you know, you can see that with him doing yes. some stuff with the Australian back line. But. Well, is he? You know? Yeah, he, actually, yeah. well, you, you can see him talking at half time there to the team, and he does yeah. put stuff together. But. That was uh, actually
1: one of our YouTube comment requests was was that, was it, do we think that Larkham is doing the job as a tack coach?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got no doubt. There's got to be an influence from overall from, from, from Checker, but Checker. Well, there's no way Larkin would do that job, uh, knowing him as I do. There's no way he would sit there and become a puppet and be told what to do.
1: But is he doing the job? Do you think he's doing the but job? But is he well? doing the job well? That's yes. a
0: different question. Uh, I, I think uh, I don't think he's doing the job that Stephen Larkin thinks he should be doing. You know, yeah. he should be uh, there should be a better performance out there. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I wonder if, if... Where, where
0: is it, And is he having an impact on selection?
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Because, you know, who's picking the Mm -hmm. fact that we've got Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley out there? Because, you know, they they want those two playmakers, they want to shift the ball around, they want to share up the kicking duties, I don't know, but uh, it'd be interesting to know who's actually making
0: those calls. I mean, can we go back how the Brumbies used to play, and they had some limited-skilled players at uh, at 12 for a long time, and uh, and they were still able to win because of a structure of a game plan that they had that somehow... Worked against the opposition, but and everyone sort of bought into that. But I think at test level, you can't get away with that, yeah, yeah, with, a, with someone who's not absolutely test standard.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of talk in the Australian rugby circles around that, that more bullocking number 12, someone mm. who's going to truck it up, good, hard, straight running, who you know, who'll hit the ball up all day and becomes your decoy runner more so than that ball handling one. Like the idea of a second 5'8 really came out of New Zealand yeah. more. And Australian rugby was less about that. Yeah. Though, if you go back in time, we've had a, a mix of guys in that tall position. Yeah, we have. But there was a there's definitely a feeling that sometimes in Australian rugby that bigger twelve is better.
0: When we had bigger players, we actually performed better. You you, you remember there was a talk about in Europe saying how big are your players. You know, we had the Dan Herberts, uh, the uh, Tim Horans, Joe Jason Listle, Joe Roth Yeah, you know, they're big guys. Back in the days when big backs first mm. started to really come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's, And we don't have that many big backs We've got some good creative smaller guys And they might be tall But they don't have that massive hulking frame So, um, But again, don't add too much weight if they don't need, need the weight
1: Well as Pappy said, Damien McKenzie's coming into the All Black squad now yep. um, you know, and These guys who aren't that big but have all the skills in the world Are worth their weight in golf
0: um, So my opinion on the game is that uh, Yeah, it was, a, it was a great to see Australia sort of put back-to-back wins together from an Australian point of view, but from an Argentinian point of view, I would have been absolutely bitterly disappointed because I thought they were so poor in their um, uh, attack structure that they looked like they didn't have a game plan. They tried to play. You know what the game plan was? I thought they tried to play like the All Blacks and throwing the ball around as if they were the highly skilled men in black when they were far from it. And the drop pill was excruciating. And, and Australia did defend well. I think if, if they played a lesser team, the Argentinians might have got away with it. But Australia's defence was really good on the night in Perth. And I think that helped uh, disrupt the Argentinian play. But they just try to be too cute. And they aren't skillful enough as a group. There's a couple of good, skillful players. There's no doubt about it. But as a group... I think uh, they were well below par to try and play the game. They tried to play against Australia. Yeah. And, I, and I mentioned last week they couldn't wouldn't go with Australia if Australia played that skillful for game. And Australia were skilled for what 21 minutes or well, 20, was it? Well, how many minutes was less than that yeah. to get up uh, by 21 points. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, that lets I would now ana- if I was the coaching staff of Argentina, I would definitely be a- analyzing what they were thinking and how they were way off the mark in, in attacking Australia that way. I don't know, how did you think the game went?
1: Yeah, I think there was a little bit of what we discussed last week in that they played their big game the week before, you know, yeah. uh, and, and it's got to sap your mentally when you, when you put it out there on the park, you play 60 minutes against the All Blacks, you think you're doing really well, and then you just get smashed in that final yeah. 20. So I don't think they had the composure um, in their game, you know, the travel across to Perth, and they just they weren't quite ready for it. Um, and it's interesting to know, to think about the way, say, you know, um, they might approach the, the tournament. You know, you know that Eddie Jones, the way he approached the World Cup, when he, when he focused on one game, you know, uh, months and months out, said that South Africa game is our game, that's where we're going to really put it all together. Yeah. I just wonder how the Argentinians, if, they, if, they're, if they're thinking in a more sort of pragmatic way about the games they target and don't, and whether the all Blacks game was a big one for them, or whether... Uh, uh, the Australian game, you know, wasn't quite on the on the level of. That's where, we, where our focus is at all.
0: It's amazing. That's what a year ago, almost to the almost day, exactly. yeah. uh, when Eddie Jones led South Africa to victory over, uh, uh, well, uh, led Japan to victory over um, South Africa. Just an amazing effort. And uh, you know, I thought that um, that Eddie would uh, would slow down a bit after having the stroke in Japan, but mm. he hasn't stopped. He had a quick couple of ideas send English coaches to Super Rugby to learn.
1: Mate, we, we miss Eddie over here in Australia. He's always got something to say. This week alone, he, yeah. I think he said, he said, send the English uh, uh, coaches He's been over. The campaign. He said, the All Blacks have got flaws. I know what they are, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, and, uh, and he said something else as well, but, uh, but I love it. Look, oh, he said, he said New Zealand dominates World Rugby, it's top to bottom. He said that they, are, they, they own the joint. Um, so, you know, Eddie's great, he's always got an agenda He's, yeah. he's clearly trying to, to position, you know, the All Blacks as the, as the, as the geniuses of world, of world rugby The same way that he said Michael Checker was a wonderful world-beating coach before he arrived yeah. and beat him 3-zip um, So there's agenda there But, you know, it has merit if that's where the talent is and that's where, you know, a different style of game is being played maybe get some of those guys more involved.
0: Yeah, but I do lament, and this is what um, Brett Papworth said the other day, that the game's got a global touch to it now. Coaches are all doing the same thing. Australian coaches are going to Japan and wherever else, the UK. Uh, Kiwi coaches going around the world, South Africa. So everyone's sort of becoming the same. And I don't know. I don't know. I I just love the regional flavour. You knew how the South Africans would play. New Zealand's just play awesome all the time. But um, I just think that... um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. The globalisation in rugby, uh, and like in finance, yeah. brings everything pretty much the same. But uh, I don't know.
1: Well, look, I, in, in Australian rugby, I, I think we, we don't have depth in coaches, let alone players. We don't have a depth, a natural depth of coaches why, that are getting why, why, the chances. Why
0: so many Australian coaches heading overseas and huge demand? Yeah, you know, Laurie Fisher. Like, what? Laurie Fisher is one of the best forwards coaches anywhere. Yeah. Australia, New Zealand, England, you name it. Yeah. And he's not here.
1: Yeah. Must be the opportunity.
0: Well, yeah, I don't think it worked out the way he wanted, going from the Brumbies and maybe Australia. Uh, So, um, but uh, yeah, it's a shame we've missed out on Laurie Fisher. Well, we
1: need to get Les Kiss on the show and ask him about it. Les Kiss?
0: Yes, Les Kiss and Joe Barakat.
1: Joe Barakat, yeah, 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 great guy,
0: great man. So, um, no, that's uh, pretty good. Um,
1: Before we move on from that Wallabies game. Yes. I said there would be a couple of changes I would make. Oh yes. And I think, and this is almost this is sacri- what I've been waiting for. This is almost sacrilegious for me, but <laughs> I, if Pocock hadn't done his hand, I'd have probably dropped Pocock.
0: Why would you have dropped David Pocock, all-round nice guy
1: and saver of the planet, mate? I, you know, I can only bow to what he's a what legend, bloke he is. Oh, you know, he's a yeah. he's a champion bloke. But, but in playing both those guys, I think we're getting we're getting we're not seeing the game we used to see from Pocock. My question would be, has the eight on his back uh, wiped out some of his efficiency and, and what he was giving us around the park at the breakdown? Um, we're, not, we're not, he's not being that dominant figure that he was. Mm-hmm. And if he's not dominating the breakdown, he's not carrying the ball, he's not a big ball running number eight. Sean McMahon came on, who's 102 kilos ringing wet yeah. and ran through half the, uh, half the RG pack to get within a metre of the line. I think other people might give you more. I said and if you're picking those two guys to cover yourself in defense but you you have taken away what we were getting out of Pocock then at the moment Hooper's giving us a little bit more around the park mm-hmm. so Hooper's probably going to keep the 7 jersey so I think there's a little bit of a blessing in disguise I thought the two changes that they needed was they've got to move away from the, the from the Pooper combo and you cannot carry uh, Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley, and I'd put Foley on the bench too.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Sean McMahon. I'd like to see him have a greater involvement. Ever since he stormed into the side uh, and made his debut, I think uh, big lad, good fella too, and probably someone we need regularly in that uh, Australian back row.
1: You've got you to love those guys who seem a bit mad. Yes. And, he, and he is one of those guys. Yeah. So you just think... He's just going to lose it and he's going to yeah. go hard. And, and I think that's you know, to, his, to, his, to our benefit when, we, when he gets out there and gets stuck in.
0: Now, before you go to some shout-outs, um, some strike shout-outs, uh, I noticed that the, so in some of the New Zealand press, they're starting to uh, you know, start to look in, starting to look inward a bit. and um, probably criti- There's some reviews of players, some really low numbers of what New Zealand players were doing, which we would have probably rated higher. Uh, as, a, as a journalist, a long time journalist with the Sydney Morning Herald, um, when, you, when, when your team goes that well and there's nothing else to talk about, you start then maybe grading the players a bit more heavily. What do you think's happening there?
1: Well, I think you know you, you always want to be investigating what the team's up to and where they're going what they're doing and, and the team is going exceptionally well. But, you know, it's the, our very nature of watching and enjoying the game of rugby that we're thinking, well, you know, maybe that's not quite the way it should have been. And how, why were South Africa in it for 60 minutes when they, when they got six or seven debutants? They shouldn't have been that close. Um, why is it that we, you know, we're, we're, we're not dominating more, we're responding more to, to um, errors and issues? I, mean, I think it's quite natural. Like, I mean, we, we talked about um, Crotty and Fekatoa. I don't think is the long-term 13. Um, but that's a really harsh call on a guy who's part of a team that's going, well, I thought Fekatoa had a pretty ordinary game last uh, last weekend, to be honest, but that's compared to some blokes who had some exceptional games. So we're, we're always going to pick it apart, and New Zealanders in particular who you know, who love their rugby are going to pick it apart, so I think it's quite natural.
0: Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, let's go to uh, the strike shout-outs of the week.
1: Viewer comments of the week, so a few shout-outs that I want to make. Uh, first thing I want to do though is say great support for your point last week around what is the point of those half-time interviews. To the point where, you know, clearly (laughs) someone... Out of
0: all the things we talked about, that comes up. But yes, thank you very much.
1: Well, clearly the RU's listening because they they went... at (laughs) at At the Perth game, they went to Quade Cooper... And Quaid said, we've been defending our rings off. Uh, and I yes. was like, well, at least we've got a quote, right? Yeah, we didn't yeah. get a... We, we lost our way. Yeah. We got an absolute quote. So thanks for that, Quaid. But and we Pink already knew that. We, we were did. watching the game. We did. Yeah. But there was a lot of support from that. Um, Shout-outs to Nick, Nick22bro, who said he's even going to stop watching Rugby 360 because he's enjoying the show. Uh, good <laughs> on you, mate. Had a good chat with Michael Sansler, um, Clement McGrath, Prashant Ori, Boat Cat. Um, but I, I, the one I did want to mention was we got a quick mention from a guy who said he's loving the show from the heart of AFL territory. He had the best YouTube name. His name was Flight of the Fat Man.
0: <laughs> that's not a link, is it? <laughs> Could well be. isn't Melbourne McKinsey, boy. He's right? a Melbourne boy. Yeah, he's a good man, Ewan. Yeah. Uh, well, great shout-out, and that's uh, it's good. We're getting him over from the AFL. I am a Geelong Cats supporter, and I'll be going for them on uh, Friday night against the Swans, so, uh, which doesn't make me very popular here in Maroubra. So uh, well, we'll get some, some fans in too down the track. And who knows, we might make a trip across New Zealand. Yeah. How good would that be? Would you host we, us?
1: We should do a show in a pub, I reckon. Get I reckon.
0: Um, how's Queenstown? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went straight for Queenstown. <laughs> it is a good spot. Hey, Benny, uh, thanks for coming in, mate. Uh, pleasure. I'm going to call some Indigenous Rugby League, actually, this weekend. That's up fantastic. in Brisbane. And, uh, and the following week in New South Wales. So I, um, I'm a lover of all codes, but obviously rugby is where the heart is with Rugger Matrix. So, um, mate, uh, and we might, uh, for our newcomers... Uh, just uh, explain a bit more about our backgrounds uh, later on in the show. We've got some really good guests coming up too in the next couple of weeks, so we'll um, make sure that uh, we give you um, some advance warning ahead of time. There might be something that uh, you guys uh, would like to ask some of our uh, greats of the game and who have agreed to come on the show uh, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we've got plenty to do, and we, our plans don't finish here. We will be going all the way through, um, unless Ben's got holidays planned.
1: There will be some holidays. Uh, I did want to say, uh, keep the comments coming. I I really enjoy the YouTube comments from our viewers, and it makes me think, and it it makes me, uh, you know, bring up some ideas, and stuff with with Juro. So keep them coming. Uh, If you're on Facebook watching this, please tag a friend below who you think will like it.
0: Yes, please share it out. Uh, Share it on Twitter too, if you get the uh, link. Uh, Here's a point to note too. Um, Now that we've got the show going regular again. we have now, uh, today, backloaded uh, the episodes to iTunes for video. So if you're looking at the SD feed or the uh, iTunes HD feed, you're now seeing those uh, again. And, of course, the audio goes out before anything else, as always. We always look after our audio audience, uh, first of all. But uh, we are all the guns are blazing and going ahead. So um, if you haven't been there and, you, and you've got an Apple TV, Please, try it out. The HD feed is the best feed you'll get on Apple TV. So it looks pretty good on YouTube, but um, you won't beat it on Apple TV, so give that a go. All right, Benny, good to see you, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming in. There he is, uh, Ben Kimber, former journalist with the Sydney Morning Herald, now a global banker. (laughs) He's charging digital there at uh, Westpac Bank, so you're doing a great job too, Ben. Thanks for coming in. All right, so that's Rugged Matrix International, Episode 2. 120? 220. Oh, two, 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 oh. two, two, oh. oh, can't keep up. 220. Oh. So many. Uh, we've uh, enjoyed your company. We've hoped uh, you've enjoyed ours. We'll see you on the web and we'll see you next week.